0: Midwife Calling. Hello, and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we're taking every episode of Call the Midwife one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are watching the fifth episode of season three of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by China Moo Young and written by Heidi Thomas. Heidi Thomas, of course, created the show. We last saw her credited as an episode writer in the last episode where she was sharing credit, and the last time we saw her as the only credited writer was the first episode of this season. China Moo Young we last saw in Season 2, Episode 6, which is the one with the estranged father and daughter, and he's dying. And... Oh, I love that episode. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. <laughs> you kind of trailed off there. So that's that's who wrote and directed. Okay, okay.
0: so let's get into our recap. <laughs> Mature Jenny narrates about being strong and still being with Nannata's house in spirit. Cynthia takes a package to the post office for Jenny, who opens it in her new room. Another package goes to St. Gideon's, with Trixie's pink sweater inside. Sister Julienne passes out at lunch, and Dr. Turner tells her to rest for a week. Sheila is chosen to take over for Sister Julienne, and Sister Winifred takes over planning Sister Sister Evangelina's jubilee. Meanwhile, Timothy is upset he's not allowed to play with the other kids due to his legs. At St. Gideon's, the residents in choose clothes for a dance, Jacob watching over. Sally, one of the residents, gets Trixie's old sweater. Reverend Tom moves into Nanada's house, and Chummy agrees to work more, but it is a struggle. Sister Winifred starts to plan the Jubilee, including inviting Sister Evangelina's family. Sister Evangelina washes her shoes and S- Sheila takes them away to be repaired. The dance goes on at St. Gideon's, with Cynthia helping to serve Punch. Sally dances and looks at Jacob, and new midwife Patsy shows up at Nanata's house. She finds the place mostly empty and quickly begins cleaning, setting everything to rights immediately impressing Trixie, Cynthia, and sister of Angelina. So I said a lot there just because there's a lot of plots to kind of sum up at the beginning.
1: You did say a lot there. Where do you want to... Which thread do you want to start with?
0: Well, let's just mention that Jenny is gone now. Yeah, Jenny is barely in this episode. And she'll be gone for a little while just because she's at the mother house, mourning the loss of her boyfriend and so they show her briefly in this episode at the beginning uh and her mature jenny narration is just it kind of is less of like a sum up of the episode like it often is it's more just like this is what i was doing during that time
1: yeah that that uh preface with jenny is important so we because jenny is still at this point ostensibly the main character of the show yeah although she's it's become much more of an ensemble show absolutely but the and it's still based again ostensibly on her memoirs although i think you said that i haven't read them but i think you said by this point the stories are mostly not from her memoirs anymore is that right
0: yeah they are getting less and less straight out of her memoirs by season 3 Eventually, it goes from based on to inspired by. And I'm curious to find out when that change happens, because it's still saying based on the memoirs at the beginning.
1: Hmm. And eventually it'll just say inspired by. and Be like, we're not even pretending that this is stories from Jennifer Worth's memoirs anymore. Do you know? Again, I haven't read the memoirs. Like, is Alec? Is that from her memoirs? Is that? I
0: do not recall. That one I just cannot remember. I think maybe that is based on truth, but I'd have to look it up again because it's been a while since I read the books.
1: Mostly in terms of theme, this little preface lifts out. Mm-hmm. Like it's about her being remembered. It's about, you know, painful times. And then the episode just moves on to being about other things. Right? Yeah, exactly. Sister Julianne is also absent for a lot of this episode. Mm-hmm. And is, she's sick. She's sick and she's also recuperating at the mother house. Or that's the order that uh, Dr. Turner gives her. Mm -hmm. We don't see her there at all. But presumably that's where she is when she's not there and at the the house anymore. Uh, She's sick with some kind of vague, like she just needs rest situation.
0: Basically, it seems like just like exhaustion. Yeah. Stress and exhaustion.
1: Yeah. So that's the setup is Jenny is gone and Sister Julianne is gone. And it's, like, they're shorthanded, and shorthanded of, like, Jenny has been, like, the step-up head of the nurses. Yeah. And Sister Julianne is obviously in charge. And so they're not just shorthanded, but they don't have, like, the leadership that they have.
0: hmm And so Sheila, who's been looking for something to occupy her, finds that she gets to be occupied in this moment of... Taking over from Sister Julienne, which I thought was really interesting that they would choose to bring Sheila in and not a different nun. Mm. That they don't have someone come in. They don't have Sister Evangelina take over and they don't have like another nun from the mother house come over to take over. No. They, they put Sheila into that role.
1: I'm a little surprised that it's not Sister Evangelina because she's the senior nun. Yeah, exactly. But, ob- obviously, but she's very busy yeah. with her other things. Yeah. She does not want to I mean, we don't see this spelled out at all, but like she is an uh, on call midwife. She does not want to become the administrator. Yeah, exactly. And her becoming the administrator would just deprive them of another midwife.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: Whereas Sister Julianne, when she's the administrator, sometimes is steps in as an on duty midwife also. Mm-hmm. But like those are different jobs. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I mean, it does make sense, too, that Sheila would be able to step in because it's such a short amount of time. There's not time for anyone to learn the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. And Sheila, of all people in the world, can easily step into that role because she knows that exactly what needs to happen at Anata's house for it to run smoothly.
1: And we start with Sheila. And so Sheila's story in this section Mm -hmm. is partly she doesn't know what to do with herself and uh, Dr. Turner suggests that she go and take over administration while Sister Julianne is away. And the reason she doesn't know what to do with herself is because what she has been doing with herself has been focusing on Timothy and she's still not sure how to do that properly. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that'll play through the whole episode. But at this point, she's been overprotective of Timothy for, for... Understandable reasons like he's still recovering from polio, he can't, uh,
0: he's got the braces on his legs, and then they say he can't
1: keep up with the other kids, Mm -hmm. he wants to play out. He says, (laughs) Yeah, which I guess means play outside. Um, I love Timothy's the way that, uh, what's his name? Who plays Timothy? I don't know. Uh, plays timothy's like sullen resentment in this episode yeah like oh timothy helped me make this uh pie and timothy's like i only rolled out the pastry
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i do not want to make pie or get credit for making pie and and his like she's like we'll go to the museum and he's like i don't want to go to a museum and i'm like i would love to go to a museum in london come on
1: I can't wait. A (laughs) museum. It's like, uh, so then he, it's a minor theme for the episode, though. Like, Mm. it's, uh, Timothy's a minor example of it, but it starts here with his body isn't capable. His mind is capable of more than his body is and people's expectations of him are not matching up with his expectations of himself and what he can do with his body. Yes, yeah. And they're trying to control with, best, with all best interests and good intentions, they're trying to control what he can do for his own good, and it's only stifling him.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly.
1: And we see that play out in like the first couple minutes of this story. And he only comes back again. I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but he's not a major part of the story of this episode. Mm-hmm. But in his little bit at the beginning we see that theme playing out
0: yeah so let's talk about st gideon's we have seen st gideon's before and jacob before Mm -hmm. a few times so we saw it with uh it's where jane used to live jane who has disappeared i would have liked at least for her to be mentioned in this episode or any episode whatever jane's gone Jane yep. used to be there and they talked about putting the little boy who had, uh, spina bifida. Yes. No, was it spina bifida? Or cerebral yeah. palsy? No, it's spina bifida. Spina bifida. They talked about putting him in that home and it was a whole thing. And so Jacob is a character we've met before. He, uh, I believe has cerebral palsy.
1: He has cerebral palsy. And the He's, actor does in real life as well. Yes, played by Colin Young, who also Colin has cerebral Young. palsy. And that he's the one who delivered the like very memorable line of the biscuits we get the broken ones yes
0: exactly we get the broken ones so so basically we're familiar with this space and we're meeting new characters from there and sally is this uh character with down syndrome who we're meeting from from uh, saint gideon's well they're in just like the like broken biscuit situation they're getting used clothing, including Trixie's beautiful pink sweater, and they're fighting over it because there's only one. And mm-hmm. there's only so many beautiful things that could be donated because who's donating their lovely clothes to St. Gideon's? Mm-hmm. So it's, kind of, it's really a through line from those previous episodes.
1: Sally, by the way, played by Sarah Gordy and mm. also the actress has Down syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, so we see, like, St. Gideon's has been this kind of bittersweet place Mm -hmm. because it's, like, we have seen some institutions on this show that are not run well, that are run by people who don't care, but that's not what we see of St. Gideon's. Like, they're doing their best there.
0: And they're having dances, so they're trying to like have entertainment and be and have pleasure for these for these people. I want to but say it, kids, but they're not kids at all.
1: But it's still not a very I mean it's It's not a home. It's not a home. And they're kind of doing their best, but their best is not really adequate.
0: Mm hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And there's this moment in this like they they're the dance where Cynthia is there with her girls group, Girl Scouts, whatever it is. Girl guides. I Girl think guides. it is. Yeah, girls brigade. A girls brigade, and one of them says, "I feel so sorry for them." And Cynthia says, "I don't." Mm-hmm. And there's this like, again, this bittersweet sense of this whole place that, like, is this a good place or not? Mm-hmm. It's doing its best, and its best is not really adequate. Now, the song, well, I need to just call out, the song that plays well during the dance is a song that uh, called You Can Never Do a Tango with an Eskimo.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very catchy. It's so catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad, though. Yeah, it's just in case you are not aware that Eskimo is a slur uh, for the northern indigenous people in Canada... Their Inuit is the proper name. Eskimo is a like- older name that is a sl- that is considered a slur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's just a really problematic song, and like it wouldn't stand out except for like they really make it stand out. It's a very like it's a strong musical cue that's showing Sister Evangelina getting new, picking out some shoes from the charity closet, and the dance at St. Gideon's, and so. It really got stuck in my head, even though I was like, the lyrics to this are terrible. It's
1: also just really catchy. And I looked up the singer, and I don't remember her name, but she was like yeah, a big... Looked her up too. She was a big deal at the time. And mm-hmm. she, you know, her big hit, she laughed in the middle. And so she was the girl who laughs. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to call that out, that it's uh, has been totally stuck in my head too. It's very catchy. hmm And a problem. Yeah. You mentioned Sister Angelina. Um, it's Sister Evangelina's jubilee, is which one of those is twenty five years since she took her vows. Twenty five years since she took her vows is one of the re- things Sister Julianne was planning, and is worried she won't be able to plan when she's away. And Sister Winifred takes over. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually see the rest of the episode. Sister Winifred doing much about it, presumably yeah. behind the scenes. She is, but Sister Evangelina is like for. She has a couple of moments in this section. Her main kind of story in this little section is that her shoes are worn out and Sheila wants her to get new ones. And she Mm -hmm. goes through the secondhand closet and picks out some uh, sneakers to wear. Plimsolls. Plimsolls. And we really see her uh, bucking up against Sheila Mm -hmm. a couple of times. Yeah. Sheila says... You, Your shoes are all worn out Are these your only shoes And she says Some of us took a vow of poverty If you remember Like she is quite hard on her Yeah And she says she doesn't want to have a uh, jubilee And Sheila says Well it's a tradition in the religious life And Sister Evangelina says "Uh, You are not in a position to lecture me Or anyone about the religious life Yeah Like Oof we also see this little moment that isn't part of her main story, but just as Sister Julianne is leaving, she's fretting over her and like holding her hand and scolding uh, uh, Fred for helping Tom move in instead of helping Sister Ve- Sister Julianne, Julianne leave. leave. Yeah, just this moment of her being such like a uh, fretting so much mm-hmm. is is very sweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Sister Evangelina, I mean, the thing is, she really does have a really big heart. But she hides it with gruffness and is so hurt that Sheila left. Yeah. And this is the only way she can react is with this harshness. Yeah. Because a part of her is just devastated that she walked away from the religious life. Yeah.
1: And it's I really like, because we've seen, we saw that when Sheila left, but we haven't seen much of that sense i really like that of course she still is mad about it and hurt mm-hmm. about it and upset and sad yeah exactly like.
0: so lastly patsy arrives patsy! so we met her before when she worked with jenny on in the men's ward and yes. so we have like established this character, and that she was un- really unhappy on the men's ward, and that she was convinced by Jenny, or taught to by Jenny about being a midwife, and now has arrived to do that.
1: It is, we didn't say when she first showed up that she was going to be back, because this is a no-spoiler show, but mm-hmm. uh, she was, she was, I feel like even if you didn't know she was coming back, that she was memorable in that episode. And so I'm really glad that they brought her back. I think the actress was very memorable. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of one-off characters. uh, And she's one that I definitely remembered the first time through this show. Mm -hmm. Seeing her come back and being like, oh yeah. It's really nice to see her. I love, love her introduction when the two she meets... uh, Sister Monica Joan, and Sister Monica Joan says, Golden lads and girls all must, as chimney sweepers, come to dust. <laughs> Which is a line from Simberline by Shakespeare. And obviously in context it means they must all become dust, not they must all come here and do the yeah, dusting. I love the, like, come to dust. <laughs> but I just absolutely love, that It's a very clever re... Framing of that line. Mm -hmm. And I love Patsy's response being like, you need some polish on that cloth. Preferably beeswax based.
0: She, it's really interesting because it's like, this is what happened to Jenny when she came to Nanata's house. Everyone was gone. She met Sister Monica Joan first. Mm -hmm. And then... Hung out for a bit and then met everybody else. So, this is so Patsy's interactions are like she knows exactly where she is. She speaks to Sister Monica Joan and is like, I'm gonna set you right and then I'm gonna get to work in a com- very, very different person than Jenna than Jenny.
1: Yeah, Jenny think back to Jenny's first appearance and she's just so like cowed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, lead me around, I'll do whatever you say. And Patsy's just like, This is what you need to do. Okay, I'm off. Yeah. And then Sister Evangelina shows up, and I love her interaction. I love Patsy's interaction with Sister Monica Joan, but her interaction with Sister Evangelina is like chef's kiss. Yeah. Sister Evangelina keeps trying to find fault and just can't. Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's
0: nothing perfect.
1: She's done nothing wrong. (laughs) She's got to work, done the work it's like
0: done more than the work because she's like i not only has she like swept cleaned up the the area where they get i don't know the name of that like the clinic area uh she's also cleaned out the autoclave gotten new instruments ready to go and like replenished things from the storeroom yeah so like she's like gone gone above and beyond to be Amazing.
1: This is such a good introduction, and it's made even better by it being the second introduction. Yeah. By being like, we already liked, I already liked Patsy, Mm -hmm. and then she's back again being like, amazing.
0: And I think what I said about her not being Jenny as well shows that we're, you know, jenny is gone, so we need a new midwife, and we need to establish right off the bat that this is not a Jenny clone coming in. No. Yeah. This is a completely different character with a completely different set of character traits. So, we... She does so many things just to differentiate herself. And then, like, later on, she's, she's with the nurses in their room, and she's, like, brought her own whiskey, and... That also sets her apart from Jenny. Yeah. And from Trixie and from Cynthia.
1: Yeah, that she brings her own whiskey. She has, she's like, just, it is, she is extremely competent as a nurse. But then she is also extremely competent as like a party with the girls. Mm -hmm. She's not like no nonsense, all business character. No. She's like... I do every. I'm gonna do this well too. I my father always said, "Bring a drink," so I brought my own scotch and mm-hmm. uh, like, I've. I don't know. She's she, definitely working hard
0: to leave an impression.
1: Is she? I. She's definitely leaving an impression. Yeah. I don't know if she's like working hard to make one or if she's just like. That's what she's like. That's what she's like. Yeah, I'm not sure either. She's making an impression on me as a viewer, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's easy. It's hard to, like... It's easy, it's hard. I don't know if it's the actress or the writing. A character like this who comes in and is just great at everything can be off-putting, actually. Mm-hmm. But I like her so much, so quickly. Yeah. And I think it's partly because we saw her already when she wasn't on the ball. hmm Like, she showed vulnerability in Male Surgical, and then now she comes here and, like, this is so much more her element, obviously, and, like, it... She has room to shine and so she does. hmm Anyway, there's a danger that a character who is great at everything is going to be unappealing, actually. hmm But I think I like her so much in every context. Yeah. I like too, her like I was went to school with nuns and I vowed I would never come within a hundred miles of a nun again, but those were Catholic and these are Anglican, and I'm hoping these ones are nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Cynthia's like, well, I don't know any Catholic nuns, but these ones are lovely.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the nurses have a fun night. Uh, I didn't mention before, Sister Evangelina is disturbed by a knock at the door that she doesn't seem to answer. The nurses spend the morning planning Sister Evangelina's Jubilee. Meanwhile, Sally's mother, Mrs. Harper, comes to see Sally at St. Gideon's and finds that she's pregnant. Mrs. Harper is livid and brings her to Donata's house. Chummy and Cynthia examine her to find she is about six months pregnant. Dr. Turner angrily calls St. Gideon's and tells them to examine every man who works there. Chummy and Peter have dinner at home but are both overwhelmed by all the work. A lemon meringue pie goes missing and Sister Monica Joan is very distressed. Peter shows up but it's not about the pie. He takes Cynthia to question Sally, and Sally's father is extremely angry. Cynthia takes her to her room, and Sally confesses that the father is her boyfriend, but she doesn't give his name. Sally goes to see Dr. Turner, and he confesses later that her situation is unusual, so it's hard to know what to do. Trixie and Cynthia want to treat her as any other patient. Sister Winifred accidentally confesses to Sister Evangelina about her jubilee, and Sister Evangelina is very angry about a party and that someone called her relatives. At St. Gideon's, Cynthia picks up Sally's clothes while Jacob overhears in the hallway. He finds Sally's address in the office and takes the bus there. He reveals that he's Sally's boyfriend, to much anger. Jacob is calm about it, but he's kicked out and goes to notice... Where Trixie helps him have a cup of tea, and Tom drives him back home.
1: So most of this section deals with Sally and Jacob. Mm-hmm. But can we, before we get to that, yeah. just spend a moment on the Jubilee, and especially on the planning for the, the food for the Jubilee, and Trixie has this centerpiece that she wants to make that's like a cake surrounded by bananas. And uh, and uh, Patsy says it looks like Stonehenge, only made of penises. (laughs) And I had to turn off the show. (laughs) It was very funny.
0: Like, oh, I've spent too long in the men's ward.
1: (laughs) Spent too long in male surgical. (laughs) And like,
0: I love too that their reactions are shocked, but not like, not in a like pearl hutching shock. Just like. Genuinely surprised that she would say that, and but understanding that, like, this is because she's done nothing but male surgical for <laughs> ages.
1: It, it just, like, <laughs> looks like Stonehenge only made of penises. So funny. I laughed really hard. I didn't expect it, no. and it made me laugh.
0: And I literally cannot imagine Jenny saying the word penis. So no. This is another, like, she's Even in a medical, context, Even I in a medical context, I think you would avoid it. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, mercy.
0: There's also the other thing that's not related to Sally is this lemon meringue goes missing and Sister Monica Joan is accused of it and but, of course, didn't do it. Yeah, and she we'll says she
1: doesn't eat citrus because of her fillings. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I have eschewed all and there's like, There's a little bit of mystery building because, mm-hmm. as you said, there's knocking at the door that doesn't get answered. If you're paying attention, you suspect...
2: Something's going on. Th-
1: That knocking at the door has something to do with the pie because there was knocking at the door and then someone broke in and took food. Mm-hmm. And Sister Evangelina knows more than she's telling. Yeah. I think all of that we can figure out it by this point in the episode, even before we know how it ends.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Sally is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Her mom is livid. Yeah. Uh, and takes her out of St. Gideon's and then. When there's a lot of talk, there's a lot in this section.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a lot of talk even by the nurses and by uh, Dr. Turner of like, I, I didn't know this was even possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? I didn't look a lot of it up, but there is like, Down syndrome is chromosomal. And a lot of chromosomal uh, like birth defects basically make people infertile. So like that, there's, other, there's other syndromes that mm-hmm. are chromosomal defects and they will be infertile. And so there's, I'm sure back then there was speculation that uh, Down syndrome would cause you to
1: be infertile. So I, I did look it up. Okay. And uh, women with Down Syndrome can have children, usually, mm-hmm. but men with Down Syndrome usually can't. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: And there's exceptions, obviously. Yeah. But it, they wouldn't necessarily... I mean, it, they wouldn't have necessarily known this at this time. hmm But what it turns out as is uh, Down Syndrome does affect fertility in men, not in women. Right. But... As they talk about, like, so Dr. Turner calls St. Gideon's and, like, furious. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yells at her. Yeah. At what's her name. Um, because of the pregnancy and also she had an untreated urinary tract infection. Yeah. And, like, we said earlier when we first saw St. Gideon's that, like, I can't remember her name. Do you know? We could look it up. This or... is, oh,
2: shoot, I didn't write it down.
1: It doesn't matter. The The woman in charge of St. Gideon's, when we first see her and when we saw her in the last episode, like, she's kind, she's doing her best, isn't blindly idealistic. She, like, knows how things are mm-hmm. and deals with the world that's in front of her. Um, and then we see here Dr. Turner yelling at her that, like, she's not doing what is necessary. Yeah, And, like, the... The whole rest of the episode is going to be talking about and exploring, like, is is Sally's pregnancy a horrible thing or not? Yeah. But Sally's untreated urinary tract infection is. Yes. That's not ambiguous.
0: Well, and to think that the last episode had this jail scenario where they're they're not getting well treated and, like, they're maybe getting better treatment in the jail than they are at St. Gideon's which is horrible
1: even though they're being treated kindly at more kindly at St. Gideon's but mm-hmm. they're not getting like the medical treatment that they need.
2: Yeah.
1: Or she or Sally isn't. And then there's everyone assumes that Sally has been assaulted.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Right? And there's I don't remember if it's in this section that you just recapped or not, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, when Chummy and Peter are talking about it, Peter says, like, it's a felony to mm-hmm. uh, have sex with a mentally deficient person. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, that sounds mean when you put it that way. And it's like, it's the person, the man who did it is the one who's cruel.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's very much assumed that because she is childlike, that. There's no way she would have chosen this.
1: Down Down syndrome affects the brain, and it affects the mental capacity, and she doesn't have the mental capacity of a typical adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, this is a question at this time, and, like, it's a real... It's a really interesting thing for the show to bring up, that, like, yeah. can people without can disabled people have sex <laughs> like yeah. how we're, we're even in 2020 often people are uncomfortable with the idea of disabled people having sex Absolutely. especially mentally disabled mm-hmm. uh and the one of the things that we see in this episode it's about sex but then later it's about for i'm jumping ahead a little bit but later for jacob it'll be about other things that like are they able to and is it are they able to make their own choices for their own selves mm-hmm. and should they be allowed to yeah so basically the assumption throughout is that like she could not possibly have consented to yes sex. exactly
0: but when cynthia talks to her about it she's like it was my boyfriend it didn't
1: hurt Nobody hurt me. Nobody hurt me. It was my boyfriend and we did, we learned that the boyfriend is Jacob who mm-hmm. comes all the way there to see her. And the her mother says like I don't care if he's also uh what did she say? I don't remember. I don't remember something offensive. But I don't care if he's also something offensive. He's sharper in the head than she is and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And which is true. It is true.
0: Uh, Jacob is physically disabled, but he is not mentally disabled. Well, it's
1: not clear. Or yeah. Cerebral palsy often comes with some mental disability. Some mental disability also. But he practically works there. Yes. Which is what's said later. And what yeah, she says yes. later he is in just as much of a position of trust as any of the staff. Mm-hmm. So, like whether he has uh, the mental capacity of a typical adult, I don't know. He is sharper in the head than she is. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's real, like, she seems not to be unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm. All this being said, the real thing is she's is not capable of taking care of a child. Yes. They are not, Jacob is like, I'm going to marry her. And her mo- Sally's mother is not wrong to say, you live in a home. What does that even mean? You'll marry her. Yeah. Who is taking care of this child?
1: Yeah. And it's one of the things that makes this episode so good. I think this is a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. And one of the things that makes it so good is I don't think that there's uh, clear-cut, simple answers.
0: No, there certainly aren't. Because...
1: The assumption that she is, must have been assaulted and isn't capable of making any choice. And the underlying assumption underneath that, that disabled people can't and shouldn't have sex or sexual lives of any kind. Yeah, exactly. Or sexual feelings of any kind. That, like, when you said she was childlike, I... Bucked against it a little bit because her mental capacity is childlike but her emotional capacity is adult like mm-hmm. right and she's like 30 yeah but on the other hand is he taking advantage of her he is sharper in the head than she is mm-hmm. as her mother says but on the other other hand lots of people are married who are one is sharper than the other <laughs> <laughs> What are you saying saying about me, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying, are you taking advantage of me? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, It's just, I really like how it is messy and complicated. Yes,
0: exactly. Jacob goes to Nanata's house, uh, Mm -hmm. where Trixie waits with him for Tom to drive him home. And Trixie is her great self she Mm -hmm. talks to him she helps him with his tea she's she's empathetic and sympathetic and tom comes around the corner to pick up jacob and sees all this and there's you know some moony eyes with him we're starting to
1: see we saw if you watched the if they're like next time yeah we don't do spoilery but next time uh the the previews at the end of this episode show tom and uh And Trixie going on a date. Yeah. I mean, he's so
0: cute. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, the men on this show have been great so far, but this is the first, like, he's got the dimples and the gorgeous eyes and he's young and, like, this is clearly a character that they brought on for nurses to date.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he drives... Jacob home and we see it's, this is the another moment where we see the kind of the Timothy Minor theme. Yeah, that because was Timothy... really interesting. Because Jacob watches Timothy hanging from a pole. Mm-hmm. And he has strong arms even if his legs aren't strong and it's like there's no commentary on it. No,
2: not at all.
1: Just we see Jacob watching Timothy mm-hmm. and just the fact of them both in a shot together creates this juxtaposition yeah. and this comparison that like
0: Timothy's going to get better
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. it's very interesting so moving on to our last bit Peter out on patrol finds Sister Evangelina on the street taking food to her brother Vincent who is an alcoholic and squatting in a derelict building the truth of why she didn't want a jubilee comes out Sally goes into labour, and Chummy and Cynthia deliver her baby. Mrs. Harper comes in and helps her through it, but the baby is stillborn, and all Sally wants to do is go home. Tom comes to tell Jacob about the baby, but he can't convince St. Gideon's that Jacob should stay. Jacob is taken away to Scotland when Sally arrives. Jacob has left the pink sweater as a gift on her bed. Sister Evangelina and Sheila talk about love, and Sister Evangelina tells about Timothy's birth and reassures Sheila about God's plan. Timothy goes to a clinic, has his leg braces removed, and takes his first steps towards Dr. Turner. Sister Evangelina's Jubilee goes ahead as a surprise, and children she has delivered gather to give her presents, honour her, including her brother. Mature Jenny narrates about perfection eluding us, but the moment being enough. So, so we finally find out what's been up with Sister Evangelina this whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's more when uh, when Trixie is giving uh, Jacob tea, there's also a few little like I thought there was food, but it's missing moments. Mm, I didn't even notice that. She, I mean, it happens a lot that they're looking around the kitchen for food they don't find, but mm-hmm. just there's She's like, this was here, and now it's gone. This was here, but now it's gone. Mm. Maybe we have mice. And, like, it's a bit of a mystery of who's stealing the food that gets solved here, that Sister Evangelina has been stealing the food Yeah. to give it to her brother. I, I mean, presumably, he stole the lemon ring pie without her. Yeah. But then, after that, she's been giving him food. Um. First of all, I guess not first, because I said other things, but the the... <laughs> Constable in a cl- on the London street with lamps and a cloak in the fog is like such a romantic image. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like it's such a mystery image. It's it's like Sherlock Holmes and uh, yeah, romantic with the,
1: or... like not lovey dovey. No, like, I know. It's just quite an image. Yeah, and him running off into the fog to to find Sister Evangelina and. We find out with being up with her. We find out who was knocking at the door. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it's not a huge twist, I think, mm-hmm. because we had mention of her younger brother Vincent as the only family she has. And then she's yeah. like, "Why are you contacting my family?" And then someone knocked at the door that she didn't let in.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but we knew that. The no one, none of the characters knew that. No. Knew any of
2: that. Exactly
1: and she talks to peter about him and like he's an alcoholic he has the line that drink hates those who love it most Mm -hmm.
2: that's quite the line
1: and they she, she talks about how he she hates the life he chose for himself and he hates the life she chose for herself yeah he said why are you throwing your life away but it was his birth that inspired Made her want to be a midwife. Yeah. Oh. It's a beautiful, like. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful and sad. And so sad. And they, you know, he says, you always saw the good in everything. Mm. And yeah. it's like, it's. It feels. Uh, it feels like if you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I mean, you can't really watch the show and not pay attention. But if you were a person in this world and didn't pay very much attention, you would think Sister Evangelina always sees the good in everything. No, she's always nitpicking and finding fault. Mhm. But beneath that, like she's finding fault because she feels like she has to. Yeah. And we see this this core of her that she always sees the good in everything actually. Yeah. And she feels like that's bad. And we see him say, that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And this like shell, this surface that she's always harsh and critical and finding fault is kind of, uh, I really think this is a true observation of Sister Evangelina's character that she does always see the good in everything first Mm -hmm. and that this harshness is learned and practiced. It's not her nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's just skip ahead to more Sister Evangelina to her the end of her story, which is I love Sister Evangelina cleaning out the shed and Sheila comes to talk to her oh. and they talk about you can't choose who you love. And Sister Evangelina, of course, is talking about her brother, but she's also forgiving S- Sheila in this moment. It's all subtext. That she's saying, I understand you can't help that you love Patrick and that (sighs) I heard about your troubles because we're praying for you. And she tells her what no one else has said directly to her, which is that you have a child. Timothy is your child. I delivered him and I know that you're now his mother. And that's oh, it makes me cry. It's a
1: beautiful scene. It is. It like especially built on the end of she has been very harsh to Sheila this episode.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And that she's the one to to comfort her mm-hmm. and to like. And this, you can't choose who you love. It's like Sheila says, "I'm so I'm afraid of loving Timothy too much."
2: And
1: mm-hmm. this, you can't choose who you love is. About Sheila loving Timothy, it's about Sheila loving Patrick. It's about Sister Evangelina loving Vincent.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like you can't choose who you love, and then uh, Sister, and then Sheila says, "No more can we choose what happens when we do." Mm-hmm. Which is like, it's the subtext of that is you love Vincent and he became an alcoholic and doesn't care and doesn't hasn't loved you in the way you wanted a brother to and has not taken care of himself and loving him has caused you pain like you can't choose what happens Mm -hmm. she says more's the pity
2: yeah
1: and then the like also in this conversation the uh sheila says i'm afraid of loving him too much and sister evangelina says if there's one thing the religious life has taught me is that it's impossible to love too much yeah what's needed is taken up what's not needed hangs around looking for a home Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) yeah
1: it's such a beautiful scene and especially because of who it is Mm -hmm. and it's speaking to both of their situations as i it's so good
0: yeah that conversation is perfect and perfectly timed in the episode
1: and then continuing with Sister Evangelina, this I love, love this moment when these moments in the show, this is not the first one where like mm-hmm. the whole community gathers around to thank the midwife yes. nurses, nuns. Like we they did it with Sister Monica Joan last season. Yeah.
0: And I think they had like the idea of the children she's delivered comes from Sheila in this moment because Sheila didn't know. The yeah. sister of Angelina delivered Timothy. And so then they could go out in the community and say, you know, who was delivered by her and who, and the one woman who's like, you delivered me yeah. and you delivered my baby. And how cool is that? <sighs> and I like, it gave me chills the moment when the young soldier comes up and says, you delivered me because this is just post-World War Two, and we know how strongly Sister Evangelina feels about the war, yeah. and to have you know someone you delivered made a difference in that war.
2: Yeah
0: is I love that addition to that. and you have Timothy and then her brother and just and then numerous people and people coming up to thank her because of 25 years of service in this community. Is so much.
1: Yep. She's made such a difference to the community and to the world. And I love it. Mm -hmm. I love these moments. Yep.
0: Exactly. All right. Let's go back to Sally.
1: Uh, One more little thing about Sister Angelina. And that is that we learn her real name. (laughs) It's Enid. Did we? I didn't hear that. (laughs) She's talking about, uh, Vincent used to say to me, Enid, you're throwing your life away. Oh, yeah. Enid. I mean. That makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> Just but no, now we know her birth name, her birth name, her real name, I said, but yeah her, no, birth, name.
0: her birth name, all uh, right, so let's go back to Sally, yes, so Sally goes into labor, and she's only six months pregnant, they said before, so she's it's too early, yeah, the baby is not going to live,
1: yeah. And there's some talk about they don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, is, there's... Dr. Turner is so worried because there's very few cases of this so that he he doesn't even know what to expect.
1: And I looked that up a little bit too, and I don't know all the numbers, but like I said earlier that women with Down syndrome can get pregnant, but their pregnancies are prone to complication. And there's like a 50% chance of uh, the child having Down syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm. So... And her mom comes in, finally, to help her, which is a beautiful moment. And all through this labor, I just feel like this is what really shows us that Sally is so unprepared for what is actually happening to her.
1: She says, I don't want a baby.
0: I don't want a baby. I just want to go home. She doesn't have any clear sense of what any of this is about. And it's heartbreaking to watch. And heartbreaking that the baby has died, but also what was going to happen to it. Oh, it's hard.
1: She wasn't prepared to care for a baby. No. We knew that. I mean, we kind of knew that already, but we really, you right, see it here.
0: She's just very reduced in labor to her most childlike qualities of like, give me my mom, I don't want to do this.
1: Yeah. I mean we see that a lot with laboring women though. That is also like, true. Like those exact things. Yeah.
0: That's also true.
1: Give me my mom, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we see that. But she doesn't a want
0: and then I don't want the baby on top of that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um The are singing the mm. yes yes we haven't seen very much of the nuns singing in season two, but in season three, we're getting it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we saw any in season two. I think we said this last time, but we're starting to get it more. And I literally love it. And what they're singing here uh, is the Te which is part of Matins. It's a morning prayer, not an evening one. Yeah. Um, the part we say, sing- hear them sing is to thee all angels cry aloud the heavens and all the powers therein uh holy 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 lord of the sabbath heaven and earth are full of your majesty the tidium is a really a version of the apostles creed but Mm. formatted as a listing of everything that praises god yeah angels apostles prophets martyrs etc i'm like i don't want to read like sometimes i worry that i am uh too laboring too much to read into the things like maybe it's just a song because it goes with the time of the day (laughs) but it feels like it's this moment where everything they're singing a song about everything is oriented toward god Mm. and that orientation makes all things the same Mm. and that angels are so different from martyrs yeah but they're both oriented towards god and it feels like it's this moment of uh, sister Evangelina and as uh, love for Vincent and Jacob's love for Sally and the like.
0: And Sal- Sally's parents, and love, Sally's for parents her.
1: love for her. And Sheila's love for Timothy and like all these different people in very different ways, but they're all alike because. Because of the way that they're oriented, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I feel like there's this bond being uh, gestured towards here. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I love the moment where they never show the baby, but they show Chummy taking the the baby behind the screen. And she brings out her cross. Mm-hmm. And so it's like she's blessing the child that's died. And that's very chummy. And I love seeing yeah. that in her.
1: We've seen, we haven't really talked about, but Chummy and Peter have been fighting all episode.
0: Yeah. Well, not fighting, but struggling because they're both very busy with work and trying to deal with and having a child. Yeah.
1: And I don't know that. that- story doesn't really get resolved in this episode which is maybe why we didn't talk about it but it's a little bit of like chummy is torn between her life as a wife and mother and her professional life
0: yeah and when sally's mother talks to her about her love for sally she goes home and kisses fred and tells him he'll always be loved yeah yeah uh So Sally's taken back to St. Gideon's. Mm -hmm. And because it's TV, basically, Jacob's being taken away to Scotland at the exact same time. Yeah. He, you know, he didn't want to go. He talks about, like, being dragged off kicking and screaming. And uh, Tom advocates for him to stay, but he has to go. And
1: And it's this moment Tom and uh, the woman in charge. (laughs) this conversation... Is this like, as we've mentioned, she says, I wish I was ideal. I could be young and idealistic and uncompromising. But I have to live in the real world and make real world choices. Mm -hmm. And it's like what we see of St. Gideon's again is that like, I don't think we're seeing her, I don't think we ever see her as, like, a villain. No, not at all. Which, like, the adoption woman is the one I think of as, like, she's not a villain, but she's, like, callous. yeah. But we see this woman just, like, doing her best with what she can, and it's not good enough, and she's Mm -hmm. aware of that. Yes, exactly. And she would do better if she had, if she could, but Mm -hmm. she can't. And Tom yeah. wants her to do better. And she says, like, I just live in the world that I live in.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it comes back to also, like we talked about, everyone assumes that Sally doesn't have, can't possibly have the capacity to make choices about her body. Mm-hmm. Everyone also assumes that Jacob can't possibly make choices about his body. Yeah. Like, you are going and you don't have a choice. Yeah. And the board agreed. Did No one ask me nope no one did ask you yeah
0: I found one of his lines that I found the most heartbreaking was she says you have family in Scotland and he goes really I wouldn't know they have clearly abandoned him to St. Gideon's yeah so no he certainly doesn't actually have family in Scotland he has relations but no No family family. his family is at St. Gideon's and he has to be torn away from that that's heartbreaking Yeah. We end with mature Jenny narrating again. What did Mm -hmm. she say?
1: She talks about perfection. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, uh, specifically she says, uh, perfection, if perfection eludes us in the moment, it doesn't matter. What we have in the moment is enough.
2: Mm.
1: And it's like, I don't know. Because I feel like in this episode, commentary on perfection has to be read as no as commentary on disability Mm -hmm. but also on commentary on like care for people yeah uh that we've seen saint gideon's be so imperfect Mm -hmm. but also commentary on uh like vincent and sister evangelina and like that relationship and that kind of like she wants perfection for her brother, which he is incapable of. I like the reflection on perfection and how it's uh, it eludes us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't. And the like.
0: Well, and the the ending with Sally and Jacob is not a perfect ending. No. It's a very imperfect ending. But I'm not sure what would have been the perfect ending.
1: No. And like maybe her her voiceover of like if perfection eludes us in the moment, uh we what we have is enough, or mm-hmm. what we have in the moment is enough, and I'm like That's a good thought. I don't know that what we have in the moment is enough mm-hmm. at the end of this episode, no. for them at least. No. But it's what we have. Yeah. So it's what it's enough in the sense that like we don't we can't have anything except what we have and -hmm. for some of the characters it very much is like this but this is enough and they're happy and we see sister evangelina and vincent walking off back to nanata's house and their relationship isn't perfect but it's enough and they find joy in it etc
0: yeah and maybe that's just what they're talking about is that
1: but i don't think you can talk about perfection in an episode focused on disability without the like there's been a lot of language of like she's not normal she's mm-hmm. broken or you know this yeah. sense that disabled bodies fall short of perfection differently
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i don't think that we can pretend that that motif wasn't in the episode
2: yes absolutely
1: anyway it gives me a lot to mull over i really enjoyed this episode me a too. lot yeah what was your favorite part
0: um my favorite part was the Jubilee. It was yeah. Sister Evangelina and her Jubilee. Oh. When especially the like you delivered me and you delivered my baby, that just touched me in a way.
1: Yeah. What about you? Well if I can't have that, then <laughs> I'm gonna say the Stonehenge, the penis stonehenge. 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 <laughs> I thought
0: maybe we always talk about our favorite parts. Maybe we could mention also what part made you cry and or tear up a lot Defin- in the episode. What's definitely
1: about you? the Jubilee. Yeah. The Jubilee is what... Uh, the
0: Jubilee, me, uh, Sally running towards the back of the car with Jacob in the car. That made yo. me cry too.
1: The talking about it now, it was uh, Sheila and, and Sister Evangelina's conversation. Mm-hmm. Watching it, did not I didn't uh, tear up at all, but talking about it now, exactly I, did. I did.
0: That's always interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have thoughts and tears and whatnot about Call the Midwife, <laughs> you can uh, talk to us about it on Twitter, at Poplar Opinion. You can send us an email, poplar at com. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell <laughs> your siblings. And, and, and you can support us, just a few bucks a month, or whatever, on patreon.com slash clockworkscast.
1: I just want to mention, uh, you may wonder why it's at Clockworks Academy. Clockworks Academy is an online school that I run. Uh, where I offer courses on all kinds of things and some other instructors offer excellent courses too mm-hmm. um, as I'm recording this there's a Robin Hood course coming soon but I, it'll be, it'll have begun by the time this airs but there's courses on Dracula and zombies and uh, other monsters and it would be yeah, really great check if you out. checked it out you can take a course with me And I would love to have you in a course talking about... All kinds of All kinds of things. Mostly monster books, but not only. (laughs) And that's at clockworksacademy.com.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. I've been Jan Moffat.
1: I've been Paul Moffat.
0: And that's just my popular opinion.